0: Welcome to this week's Crowd Church service. We are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. Our service uh, will last about an hour and in a few seconds you'll meet our hosts uh, for our service who will introduce today's talk. After the talk, we will have a time of worship and reflection, after which we head into Conversation Street, where we look at your stories and questions that you've posted in the comments. Now, we want to invite you to connect with us here at Crowd Church, and we've got a few ways in which you can do just that. Firstly, you can engage with Crowd from any device during our live stream, and if you're up for it, why not invite a few friends over and experience the service together? You See, church is all about connecting with God and connecting with others. And one of the easiest ways for you to do that is join one of our midweek groups where we meet online together to catch up and discover more about the amazingness of Christ. You can also subscribe to our fairly new podcast called What's a Story, uh, where we deep dive into stories of faith and courage from everyday people. More information about all of these things can be found on our website at www.crowd.church or you can reach out to us on social media at crowdchurch. If you are new to Crowd or new to the Christian faith and would like to know what your next steps to take are, well, why not head over to our website, crowd.churchforward forward slash next for more details. And now, the moment you've been waiting for is here. Our online church service starts right now. Well, good evening and welcome to Crowd Online Church. I'm here with
1: the dashing and debonair, Phil Watson. Phil, how are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I am concerned. I am colorblind. Do my clothes clash? What colour are my clothes? Are they all... <laughs> this, this is orange. I got this from an Oxfam shop in, uh, near Epsom. If anyone's from Epsom, hello. Epsom in uh, just outside London, home of the Epsom Derby. Uh, this, however, is a Fred Perry, which I bought first-hand, there's logo. Yeah, yeah. What 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 colour is this? Is it green or brown? It's kind of like a know?
0: greeny brown. To be fair,
1: can you can you wear these two together? Can anyone sure. or can I? Is a better. I person. think I, I think
0: you could get away with it. Phil. I don't think I would.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, all right. I'll, we'll we'll go with that. Hello, everybody. It's yeah. nice to say hello, to you.
0: <laughs> Miriam's put in the in the comments here. She says, "I love your outfit." Film.
1: Oh, Miriam, you're my top fan. And You know what? <laughs> You know what? I I can't mention names, Matt, but I did a talk at a real, you know, real, live, online. No, not online. An actual (laughs) face-to-face person. An in-person one. That's what it's called, not real. And um, some of the feedback I got was, Phil is as funny as he thinks he is. (laughs) I'll say that again. (laughs) Phil is as funny as he thinks he is. And I'm like, I will. This was teenagers. And teenagers do not give, if you're a teenager, and if you ever were a teenager, you'll know teenagers don't give compliments easily. So I was like, oh, yes, I'm going it. to put that, I'm putting it on my CV. I'm going to. Well, uh, i got, um, I think it
0: was in my Father's Day card from Zoe. She wrote, oh, yeah. Dad, thanks for being, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, One day I want to be as funny as you think you, you are. Think
1: you- <laughs> <laughs> I I think I've had that from all my children. Yeah, yeah,
0: oh, yeah. It's a great phrase. So he was <laughs> like, oh.
1: I thanks. don't quite know thanks, what to kids. make of
0: that. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. So,
1: that. W- we've established we're men of a certain age with children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who absolutely. Are te- teens, early 20s. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. What can anyway. I say?
0: Anyway, uh, for those of you who are joining in, welcome to Crowd Church. We are an online church, believe it or not, uh, as well as a fashion advice service. Uh, <laughs> and- <laughs> How to do color and clothing. Uh, yeah. We are an online church. Uh, so it's great that you're with us uh, this evening. Uh, as you can see, it's Phil and myself. We are hosting the service. Uh, if you are live with us, if you're watching the live stream live uh, as opposed to watching the catch up on YouTube or Facebook, uh, then join in the comments like uh, Miriam has, Sharon's in the comments, uh, Nicola, hi Nicola, Matt Cruz. Uh, doing something behind a service station texting on his phone that sounds a bit dodgy doesn't it uh he's good evening from the service station on the m62 as what well. he says yeah happy birthday to you matt as well um and so yeah nicholas but oh my goodness i thought uh you were being medallion man <laughs> okay I'm not quite sure what that means phil but let's go with that um <laughs> So yeah, join in the comments. Do so; I'd be great to hear from you, especially if you've never been to Crowd Church before. A warm welcome to you. Uh, it's just uh, we 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 like to find out about Jesus, and we like to have fun doing it, uh, and so that's kind of what we're going to do today. We have got the amazing Dave Connolly sharing the Word of God with us in just a few moments. He's going to be talking about Lazarus. Uh, after that, we're going to have time of worship, as we said in the intro, and then Phil and I are going to be doing Conversation Street. So make sure you get busy in the comments with your thoughts, with your questions, uh, as we're going to have a bit of fun with Conversation Street today. Uh, so do join in with that. Uh, and the whole thing's going to last about an hour. So quid's in, right? Uh, and of course, we will keep you up to date with the latest scores, uh, which I'm, not, it, ob- I'm obviously it, not watching.
1: Is it 2-0 still?
0: i've no idea actually i think, <laughs> I I think it out. is uh, i hope it is uh, matt says can you give a shout out to my beautiful niece who got dedicated today ava ava big shout out to you this is not a radio show Matt. i just want to point that out uh, this is an online church service but sure why not uh big shout out to you ava well done on your dedication uh that's awesome uh, and we hope it goes really really well Uh, with your walk with christ so you know uh you've got a great uncle what can i say uh right (laughs) so i'm going to hit this button on here we're going to jump straight into the talk with dave connolly dave connolly is one of the founding pastors of frontline church which is what crowd church is affiliated with um, he has been a longtime friend and mentor to both Phil and I for many, many years. The man is a legend, full of wisdom, uh, and has got an amazing Scouse accent. In fact, uh, he was on this week's What's the Story podcast. If you've subscribed to that, uh, I talked to Dave about what it was like growing up in the 60s in Toxteth, uh, and we talked a lot actually about. Um, the murder of his nephew, Paul, and how he yeah. dealt with that. It was quite a, a, you and I were there when that all happened. Yeah. I mean, not Ryan yeah. and Phil, but we were obviously with Dave in the middle of it. Yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah. And so we get into all of that in this week's what the, What's the Story. If you want to know more about that podcast, uh, where we do dig into people's stories of faith and courage, check out What's whatsthestorypodcast.com, um, or you can go to www.crowd.church. Same thing, it will take you to the same place. And in fact, Phil, you've been on What's the Story as well.
1: I have indeed. Yeah, they're always, I love other people's stories. I love listening to, um, yeah, basically, it's just a, it's a chat, isn't it, about this Mm. is what has happened to me. Uh, It's not theoretical. It's real. It's real life. Always interesting. Always interesting. Yeah, brilliant. So do check it out. So anyway, that was a very
0: long introduction to Dave's talk. Uh, So here is Dave's talk. uh, And then Phil and I will be back after the worship. Uh, Here we go. Every time that button starts, I need to fix that button. (laughs)
2: Let's try that again. Today's story taken from scripture is centred around the death of a man called Lazarus. And we can read this story in John's Gospel, chapter 11 and 12. I want to encourage you to take a few moments to read these scriptures at your leisure. But let's make a start. In verse 1, we read of a situation that will touch each of our lives. It all hinges around what can Jesus do about death. Death is a reality. Whether we want to talk about it or not, death is intimidating. It makes us feel vulnerable. It causes us to think about our own mortality. It raises many questions about ourselves about God, about life after death. So let's take a look at what is happening in these verses. In verses 1 to 3, a man named Lazarus was sick. By the way, Lazarus lived in a town called Bethany with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. The two sisters send a message to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. Also, you know, it's worth noting that Jesus stays with them every time he appears to be in the region. He obviously has a depth of relationship with this um, family. We see in the story that Mary and Martha somehow knew where to find Jesus. And when Jesus was told in verse 5, the one you love is sick, he didn't have to guess who they were talking about. He knew it was Lazarus. We read in verses 5 to 7 when Jesus heard about her, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God. I, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. See, although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stays where he is for a further two days. Before he goes to be with them. It says after two days he finally says to to the disciples. Let's go to Judea again. We find out later that Jesus already knew that Lazarus was dead. Even by the time the messenger had arrived. And by the time Jesus got to Bethany. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Bethany was only a couple of miles away from where Jesus was. And the disciples knew that if they returned to Bethany, they were going to be in danger. We read that the disciples say to Jesus in verse 8, Teacher, only a few days ago, the Jewish leaders in Judea were trying to kill you. Are you going there again? And in verse 16, Thomas says, Let's go too and die with Jesus. We read on, And when Jesus arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Some Jews believed that the soul hung around the body for three days until decay set in. Then it would abandon the body and there would be no hope of life. Some may have believed that Lazarus could possibly have been raised during those first three days, but nobody nobody believed he could possibly be raised from the dead on four days. Jesus didn't enter the town because he knew that it would create a scene. He waits outside For Martha to arrive. And when she did, she repeats something to Jesus that had probably been said numerous times since the death of Lazarus. In verse 21 and 22, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. That sounds like a great faith statement. But when I read Martha's statements again, you know, previously I thought she was expecting Lazarus to be raised from the dead. But possibly she wasn't. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in resurrection at the last day. See, we find out later because she protests when Jesus asks for the tomb to be opened. She wasn't expecting a miracle anymore. She was simply stating, Lord, if you'd have been here, things wouldn't necessarily have been different. But I still believe in you, despite what has happened. It hasn't shaken my view of who you are. I mean, that sounds a great statement. Yet Jesus challenges her. It wasn't enough for her to acknowledge that she believed in him, even though Lazarus had died. She had to believe that he had the power, even now, over death. Verse 23 and 24, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, yes, when everyone else rises on resurrection day, She believed in a resurrection day. That was a teaching um, that was pretty controversial in its day. But Jesus wanted to clarify things. It's not enough to say, okay, he died. That's the end of it. But one day, it'll it'll be okay. It'll be made right. In the meantime, I still believe in you, Jesus. It's not enough for some future event. It's actually someone standing right in front of Martha, right there and right then, Jesus. Verse 25 and 27, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha replies, Yes, Lord. She told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. It's not a belief or a dogma. It's a person. It's not even about a future resurrection. It is about never dying, never perishing, even between the point of physical death. And the resurrection, the one who believes in Jesus still lives. Jesus is about to show that he has power over death and that his followers don't have to say, we will believe in you despite the reality of death. We can say, we believe in you because you are the one who gives life beyond death. You are the resurrection and you are the life. We'll see in the next few verses, a similar scene unfold with the other sister, Mary. Jesus still stays outside the village and Mary says to him in verse 32, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. This was obviously something Mary and Martha had spoken about naturally. What happened next? doesn't really come through in our English translation very well. In verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and he saw the other people wailing with her, he was moved with indignation and was deeply troubled. Moved with indignation, it's difficult to translate. It was used in the language of the day about like snorting like horses, it conveys an anger, a pain, a shuddering, a strong emotion. Deeply troubled means to be agitated, almost to a place of despair. I've always pictured Jesus being upset and weeping, but you know, it's so much deeper. This is his friend, the one he loved. Jesus was deeply moved with sorrow and grief. Jesus was facing death face to face. He was seeing the effects of sin. Words weren't enough, just as when we face death, there's a sense that at times words can't convey how terrible death is. He broke down, grieving. And when he asks to go to the tomb, he's still grieving. I want to ask and suggest that every person needs to ask what hope they have beyond the grave. Some have decided that they don't need hope or that hope is an illusion. Jesus offers more. He's not only crying and grieving at the sight of death. He does something more. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. And yet Martha says, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus responds, Didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside And Jesus looked up to heaven and prayed, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it aloud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped In a head cloth, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus said earlier that this was going to bring glory to the Son and give the disciples another opportunity to believe in him. And you know what? It did. It gave the disciples the opportunity that Jesus wasn't just the one who turned water into wine, or who healed the sick and made the blind see. He all, he's also the one who conquered death. He's God over all. He's the resurrection and the life. How can you not get excited about this? It would be easy to think that this story is about Lazarus, but it isn't. Lazarus would die again one day. This is the story, the story that ultimately is about Jesus and his power over death itself. It's about his glory and what happens to those of us who put our trust in him. We gain victory over death because we then enter into a relationship with the person who is the resurrection and the life. It's about Jesus because the events that unfold ultimately led to his own death. Right after this story ends, the leaders plotted for Jesus' death, which led to our salvation. Jesus could face his own death because he himself is the resurrection and the life. For those of us who are bereaved at this time, my friends, there is hope. There's hope because Jesus grieved for his dead friend Jesus met death and saw its pain and its ugliness and he understands. There's hope too because in verse 25 it says, Those who believe in me, even though they die, like everyone else, will live again. There is life beyond the grave. We would probably be smart to realise today that our lives are going to be shorter than we think. Life goes much faster than we would like. We don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about death. But no herbal supplements, no exercise program, no diet will delay it indefinitely. There are a few answers for death. But we know the one who conquered death and promised eternal life. Let me leave you with this thought, my friend. today you can know the one who died so that you might live. God bless you.
0: There you go, like the King of My Heart, what a phenomenal track that is, uh, love that track. You can rewind, you can play very loudly, especially if you're in the car. You can also find that track on our YouTube playlist, uh, King of My Heart is what it's called, so uh, do sing along with that. Phil, I see you're still in the same top.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I don't change for anybody. Uh, well, that's not... <laughs> That's not true. But <laughs> There's a sermon in there, surely. Yeah, there is, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just moving a wire. That's terrible, isn't it? Okay. Sorry if I just zoomed in to people's viewing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. So
0: let's get into this then. So what did you think to Dave's Talks? If you're not done so already, leave your thoughts, comments uh, on YouTube, Facebook. We'll get into that as we go along. In Conversation Street with myself and Phil, talking about this very meaty passage I am the resurrection and the life this incredible story of Lazarus being raised from the dead Uh, and um, did you ever get that? Oh, wow Are you near a I... railway station or is that fireworks? That's fireworks just right outside okay. the house someone's just slav So. Uh, If you're watching this outside of the UK, it is November the 6th, which means yesterday was, in fact, November the 5th, which is Bonfire Night. And Phil, I don't know what you did on Bonfire Night, but last night we had some people around. We had um, some beautiful people from international countries, as well as the Sopwys and the Bainons and a few other people. So we we had a big international mix. And they sat there, these beautiful people, uh, and they said...
1: What's the deal with <laughs> Bonfire Night? <laughs> and did you say, we celebrate a man who nearly blew up democracy? Yeah, well, he,
0: he failed, didn't he?
1: The Catholics yeah, exactly. failed we, in blowing up we democracy. Celebrate, <laughs> we celebrate failure, and even down. following the story, and we're meant to be talking about death and Lazarus, but it is a fascinating story where one of the conspirators to blow up Parliament wrote a letter to somebody saying, don't go to Parliament tomorrow because there's going to be a big bang. And this letter was found, and then they because they've got the real the real version of it. And it's, it's a very good example of be careful what you send and write down. Careful what you text. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tweet. Anyway, yeah, a, a mad event. Anyway, it
0: is a crazy <laughs> event which we celebrate in England, which explains yeah. why uh, the fireworks are going off tonight because they're all the fireworks that didn't get let off last night. Uh, it's it's uh, there are a lot of fireworks. I mean, basically for three hours. Uh, Liverpool just is explosion city, isn't it? And it's just going off everywhere. So, um, so yes, that's why there are fireworks going off outside. So I would, if they go off again, I will try my best to get to the mute button very quickly so they don't wreck your ears and fill, you'll just have to fill the void. I can do that. <laughs> no doubt. So uh, that explains Bonfire Night, which is not the reason where we're here, but that's the interesting trivia. So Lazarus's story. There we go, fireworks. What is
1: the shortest verse in the Bible, Phil? Jesus wept, uh, and it's the first verse I ever learned. Uh, And I I think there's lots to talk about here, as there always is, but there's so much there that Dave mentioned at the beginning. It's the fact that Jesus seemed to have mates, um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He, and as Dave Conn said, when Jesus was in this area. So basically, if you imagine, the Holy Land, as it's sometimes referred to, Jesus wanders around it with this group of disciples um, talking and getting mixed receptions from people. Some areas, they loved him. Other areas couldn't stand him. He did miracles in some places. He told parables or stories with a meaning in other places. And he would, I'm assuming he had a network of people. And when he got to this village or this town, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, we know who you are. You're, we're friends, whatever. Come and come and stay, because there wasn't obviously travel lodges, premier inns, or anything similar. And I'm just I'm and I, I think that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were part of a kind of network of people who who gave hospitality to Jesus. Yeah. It's a lovely idea, isn't it? That depth of friendship that yeah. I know that sometimes if, if you if you were you might have come across. I think they're often called itinerant preachers, so they travel around mm. a country or the world. And it's wonderful. And the most famous one in my lifetime was probably Billy Graham. There have been numerous others, incredible impact. But actually, there are also some people that stay put. Yeah. uh, Like you you and me, Matt. (laughs) Who stay put in one one town, one community. And we go, this is where we will be anchored. And this is the place where we will have our influence. And I love the idea. And we've done that. I know you have two, Matt, of hosting friends or people we don't necessarily know um, who stay in our houses, and I, and I never really thought about that actually, but until Dave mentioned that, that these are these are these are friends, and so when yeah. they when uh, the message came through, the one you love, and I don't know how that that sounds very odd in English, isn't it? The one you love has yeah, died, it does like a bit, yeah. uh, our bestie, our best friend, yeah. and Jesus knew that's Lazarus. He knew that yeah. that was Lazarus. So there's an insight into Jesus being very human there, and the Jesus wept is also just a very very important verse because it's easy to think that Jesus was some superhuman and it's so hard to find the word superhuman unlike you and me but actually he felt we know he felt sadness we know he felt grief and i think there's a big mental health message in those two lines i think there
0: probably if, is yeah. w-
1: whatever your emotions are you should be in tune with them if you can if you if you're if, you've, if there's grief in your family, if something bad has happened, there is nothing good about having a, and a, again, we're international, but the classic British stiff upper lip, it, I'll be fine, it'll be great. Grief will come out one way or the other, and it's better to get it out through tears and, and however you want to show that than to pretend you are not upset. I remember my grandmother saying to me, and I put it on a Facebook post recently, actually, she said, Jesus wept and Jesus slept and he hung about with his friends. If it's good enough for him, it is good enough for you. And it's a really good summary, isn't it? Because there is quite a few occasions when Jesus seemed to fall asleep in the most inopportune moments, storms, boats, up mountains. um, And that is an important thing, getting rest. Um, I'm going on a bit here, aren't I? What do you think about Jesus wept?
0: (laughs) Well, exactly, I knew it was the smallest verse in the Bible, like here was the first verse I ever memorize because it was the easiest one to memorize when you're a kid at sunday school memorize the bible verse jesus wept there we go done yeah (laughs) i can do that one um but no you're right i think it's um i think it's really insightful i mean we're talking about death and we're talking about resurrection Mm. yes there's the power of that and yes there's an incredible story in that but fundamentally here was a man stood before the tomb of one of his best mates yeah and it and it as, it, as you would expect it rightly up, was upsetting uh, and Jesus shows his humanity and weeps and like you say there's a lot of good mental health messaging around that um, but it's um, sorry these fireworks are still going uh, ten to the dozen uh, <laughs> um, but there's there, there, is, there is something isn't there something quite special about the fact that like you say Jesus had his mates he's And one of them has passed away Mm. and for the it's interesting how i like how dave put it he said that um when martha was saying if you'd have been here he would not have died it's like we know you're a miracle working god we know that you heal how Mm. many of us have prayed that prayer god if you'd have just answered my prayer Mm. this would Mm. not have happened right mm. and it's like yes we know you can do this we believe that god you can heal we believe that god you can do the miraculous and if you would have been here mm. this would have not have happened if you'd have just shown up this would have not have happened mm. if you would have answered my prayer two days ago when i told you he yeah. was sick this would not have happened mm. um and it's like it's like god seems unfazed by that but he still feels the pain of it do you know what i mean i, I find that yeah, fascinating
1: yeah, what, what, if G- I'm going to get all theologically technical, aren't I? But if Jesus is omniscient, which means he knows everything, if God is omniscient, what? He, oh, I don't know. It's too hard for me to get my head around. But the good news is I don't have to because I'm not God. And I have to keep coming back to that realisation that yeah. I will not understand everything. I think there are some insights into this story as well because I know – that uh, within Jewish culture, you bury a dead person within 24 hours. It's not like the Western culture that you and I are part of, where we might wait days or weeks or even longer. And it's still the case today within Judaism. Somebody dies, you bury them within 24 hours. Partly, I guess, it's a a cultural thing, because if you're in the heat of of Israel, you would want to bury a a body quickly. And Mm -hmm. I've never thought of this before either, but I wonder if Jesus' apparently casual approach you know he waited four days this is going to sound very macabre they weren't as medically developed as we are when we in in the west when somebody's dead we we know they're dead mm. we you know a medical doctor with training signs the death certificate you can't do it any other way in our culture and i don't know i don't know okay so i'm just suggesting maybe jesus knew what was going to happen he he had an emotional response but four days in the grave Lazarus is definitely dead. This is not a mistake. He wasn't yeah. sleeping. He wasn't, mm. um, he, he hadn't passed out. And I've often thought that maybe about Jesus being in the grave for three days. This is not, he, he, he wasn't um, pronounced dead by mistake or in error mm. by somebody who didn't know any better. Because um, I've heard stories of people being assumed dead. And then they have, you know, I mean, years ago, and then it turns out they weren't dead. They were mm. in some sort of coma or something like that. So I wonder if if Jesus' apparently casual approach was in a way to show his power that when he said, Lazarus, come out of the grave, um, there was no doubt that the man had been dead. Um, And as typically with every Bible story, I've got so many questions. I would want to know, Lazarus, where have you been? What was it like? You know, you, you hear of near-death experiences where people are pulled towards lights or whatever. What, you know, where were you for those few days? And and the other sort of thing is, you know, what happened to Lazarus afterwards? Was he, was he like, when I think Lazarus, because I've never heard of anyone else called Lazarus, I go, oh, the bloke that was raised from the dead. Did he become locally as, you know, there's Lazarus, the guy who was dead who now isn't. Did he did he have some sort of um, celebrity status? And uh, and I'm assuming, well, I know it's true, he did eventually die. Mm. You know, he, he he's not alive now so he wasn't made immortal he was just given some additional time on earth I wonder how he used it That's and it's
0: a big question right and,
1: well it's an interesting question for anybody who's a Christian or not which is you don't know how long you've got mm. what are you gonna do with that time mm. um, and how much of it you know you have to sleep you have to weep you have to eat but what are you going to do with the rest of your life but that, and that can come across as like a oh my word i need to make the most of every day and we've all had that feeling when somebody has been taken from us a loved one mm. uh, you know you, you know you, you never all sorts of good advice like never end a relationship on an argument because you don't you don't know what might happen mm. you know you don't know whether that could be the last time you see them but um yeah what what happened next because there is another bit in the bible isn't it in in the gospel of john where he says where john the writer says i'm only telling you the main details because yeah. if i told you everything that happened i would i'd would... be writing forever so yeah. so yeah, yeah, john yeah. if there were, if there were to be a sequel i would like these questions on. <laughs> I know that. so for what se- <laughs> what happened, <so> for next? <laughs> what yeah, happened yeah. next to this person yeah yeah it's no yeah. it's a fascinating you're right
0: i mean in some respects it's quite it's quite um a pictorial isn't it of the christian life it's like we as christians say we were dead in our sins and then we were raised to life in christ yeah. it's like we have done metaphorically and spiritually i suppose what lazarus did physically and so this whole idea of lazarus what did you do once you were raised from the dead i think is a great question and it's like christian what are you doing since you have been raised from the dead yeah do you yeah. Know what I mean how, yeah. how are you now how has your life changed um how is your life being lived as a result of being raised in you know spiritually from the dead? And it's quite a fascinating concept. Um, you know, with the power of God like that, that actually he brings newness of life, and that's the that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's the whole um the way I was, the way I used to be, that can be left in the grave or at the bottom of the baptismal pool if you do the whole baptism yeah, yeah. thing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's that kind yeah. of it doesn't have to be that way anymore because actually I have been raised to newness of life and that Paul talked about it he said i have been crucified with yeah. christ it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me yeah. and the life yeah. i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god and i think what an incredible revelation that is when you get your head around it
1: yeah yeah well it, it it's exactly that isn't it and it's the there's a there was a story in the papers a few years ago in the UK about a palliative nurse that had worked caring for dying people for their entire professional life. And they sort of summarized what these folk taught her. And some of them regretted things they had done. So they went, I wish I hadn't done that thing where I hurt somebody. But more often than not, the people in the last stages of life, which must focus the brain was then, it's a great part of being human, is that whilst we all know we're going to die, actually we're able to get on with life anyway. Um, You know, you can be overwhelmed with that sense of doom and catastrophe. But most humans most of the time go, I will live as if I won't. And I think that's probably how we have to live. But one of the, the regrets that many of these people had in the last days of their lives was, it's not the things I did that I regret, it's actually the things I didn't do that I regret. And this apparently, not that we're old men, Matt, but as you get older, and you realise that, oh, actually, that thing I will probably never do. So it's taken me, you know, I haven't mentioned fostering yet, but as an example, as an example. Well, um, I I mean, well done for making it for 42 minutes. That's got to be some kind of record. A record. Yeah. As an example, my family decided to foster. And I talk about fostering a lot with people, but it could be any, um, shall we say, altruistic act, um, or even a non-altruistic act. And it's like, I'm glad we we I'm glad we did it when we did because otherwise I'd never have known what would happen and there is a sense of um you you, you as the times go by you go I wish I wish I'd done that and you go well it, you know what while you're still living there is still time to to make a difference to how how you live yeah. um and when you do die and we all do die this is inevitable there's a couple of questions one is is there an afterlife or not And if there is, and if you're a Christian, you believe there is and you're going to it. Um um, what can you we had this preaching in in, in the church this morning, what can you take to the afterlife? I mean it's a crazy question, isn't it? I've never been to Egypt, but you see the pyramids, and there was a sort of belief that, oh, I'm the Pharaoh, I'm very wealthy, I'm gonna die. And when I die, I want to be in the biggest tomb Mm. with a ton of wealth. And I believe that, you know, you'd have your slaves buried with you, your wives buried with you. And if you look at powerful people throughout the history of the world. They have a similar system where I, my, you know, when we buried the Queen, the pomp and ceremony was amazing, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to sort of, you know, the Queen's great. was like, well, she's died the same as you and I are going to. Mm-hmm. She, her body will decay. Um, and I, I, I was, yeah, this morning we had a great picture from a lady called Jenny who said, there's only two things you can take when you die. Uh, and I thought, two. I thought there was nothing you could take when you die, and she, and and her, and because she's cleverer than me, she went. You can take your relationship with Jesus. So when you die and you you go to heaven, whatever this is looks like, you've got your relationship with Jesus already, and you've got it with you. And the other thing you can take is the relationships that you have with other Christians.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, oh, and I, I again, I don't know who's going to get into heaven. It's not. Luckily, it's not me that chooses and judges. Um, I'm I, I'm kind of looking forward in some respects to meeting some people in heaven, or everyone, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be, as far as I'm concerned, I will be reconnected with people uh, who are also Christians, and I'll be very surprised who's there. I expect I'll be surprised who isn't there, but yeah. um, that's yeah. a whole other debate. That's, um, <laughs> that could it's be its whole... live stream. Are you in or are you <laughs> yeah. out? <Let's> just... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it reminds me of there's a joke by Milton Jones, who's a very – dry comedian who is a christian actually and he's what does he say something like i'm in a competition to be the oldest person in the world and every day i go up the leaderboard um, (laughs) it is kind of macabre but 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 it's true everybody is going in the direction yeah Yeah. of of death yeah but what are you going to do with your life and it always i always come back to the stories of the good samaritan Uh, the parable which Jesus told about what good are you doing and then the story it's known as the sheep and the goats which is basically like when you help someone else to summarize it if they're hungry starving stranger or foreigner if they're if they're ill whatever their circumstance whatever you do for another human being this is good this is how Jesus wants us to live and you don't have to wait I'm, I'm quoting Anne Frank now. I'm on full-on quotes, aren't I? You don't yeah, have to wait. You, you don't have to wait another day to start making the world a better place. That's you could you Wherever you go to work, whoever you hang around with, whatever you do, you can be a positive to other people. You can make their day by being a positive person. Um, I think I've got away from death there and started to talk more about life. Yeah, but never mind. A, it's, all, it's all wrapped up together, isn't it? It's, it it's, is, so, isn't it? You can't have one without the other.
0: Yeah. No, I heard um, a great quote. I put it on Instagram the other day by Simon Sinek, who said, you know what? We have these bookshops that are full of self-help sections, but Mm -hmm. in none of those bookshops is a section which says help others.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it?
0: And I thought that's very, very true. And, And you kind of think. Well, yes, uh, life is in some respects about helping others, but we don't really think about it like that, do we? We don't really... Talk. And that's one of the things that struck me about what Jen was talking about this morning, you know, that um, we we take with us uh, those sort of Christians that we've that we've sort of brought into the kingdom for want of a better expression, yes. you know what I mean? And, and Paul talks about this in his letters about his crown. I think it was in Philippians, um, but he talked about his crown... Being the people that sort of were in the churches that he planted, and he's like, "I'm going to get to see you in in eternal life," and that's the thing that drives me forward. That's the thing that propels me. And you're my joy. That's yeah. Those and that's brilliant. That's the let's help other people section. Do you know what I mean? Let's help other people find Christ. And I think I think that's not a bad thing to give your life for. Do you know what I mean? It's not a bad thing to sort of to strive for. Is actually the that Because you, the Bible does talk about a reward in heaven. It does talk yeah. about a crown in heaven. You know, it's yeah. like, I can't earn my way there. And I know I can't earn my way into heaven. And I know it's about grace. But there is a crown.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> um, and the, sh- the sheep and the goats would suggest the parable. Sheep in Biblical, I mean, I I'm, I'm a farmer, I don't know. But sheep, good. Goats, not good. And I've always wondered about the story with, mm. I can understand the, hey, be altruistic. Do good things for other people. Where that actually gets you when you get to heaven, I don't know. But it gives me the impression, as you say, that there is some reward in heaven. Um, but because in heaven there is no sin, other, you actually celebrate other people's rewards. Is what I've always imagined it to to be like. Um, but again, uh, philosophising about what heaven's like is something like all I know is I want to go there. And I'm yeah that, that's I want to go there and and I think it's going to be great and whilst I think it's very human to grieve, of course it is, and sometimes people can be a little bit unhelpful when they talk about somebody dies, and they mean well you know they've gone to a better place or whatever they might say, and I'm like do we know that? Are we sure about that um there's there's something very um helpful about helping other people and about what you do while you are alive, how you're going to use your years, how you're going to use your hours, your weeks, mm-hmm. your minutes. And we live in a very, I think all humans have, but there's a, we live in a pressured environment that talks about the, the accumulation of wealth and the accumulation of status, the accumulation of, of status symbols, whether that's your job title or whether that's your marriage status whether it's the car that you drive or the wealth that you have, and that's been part of—I'd imagine that's part of every culture—and Yeah. Uh, and has been since the beginning of time. We mm. we sometimes say, "Oh, it's worse now," and I'm going. I, I bet it's always just been. different. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah, you know, nobody said, "Oh, I've got a Tesla and the brand new iPhone" hundred years ago, but they said they had, or I don't know what it have been—Ford Eight, some old car. I don't know there's 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 something that humans do, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing because you kind of go. I want this to make myself somehow feel better. I want this to make myself feel better than others, which is the opposite yeah. of what Jesus says, which is hey, look out for other people. And yeah. it doesn't mean it's wrong to have wealth. And, you know, I don't know the good Samaritan, he had money enough yeah. to pay for the care of another human being. Yeah, you know what I mean wasn't it it's yeah. how we used it yeah, it's, as well. it's exactly it's how, we, it's how we used it yeah 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 now, it's really um,
0: interesting this whole idea of how you spend your life and you know the in some respects the call of the Christian to lay down their desire for wealth not necessarily lay down wealth because I think I mean the, the reality of it is even despite the cost of living crisis we still are some of the most prosperous people on the planet right oh, and yeah. we, have to, we have to be aware of that um, and we have to I think we have to acknowledge that even if we don't have a whole great deal by British standards. We have a whole great deal by global standards. I mean, let's be real. Um, but that, that chasing of wealth, that chasing of accumulation for stuff and laying that down and saying, God, what, what do you want me to live for? Why did Jesus write? And that Paul talked about that. He says, I forget those things which pass, but the one thing that I do, I press on yeah. for the the upward call of Christ. I lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me is this language, mm. isn't it, in Thessalonians. And it's like, Jesus, why did you save me? Why did you go through that? Why, is there, why am I part of this whole resurrection thing? Mm. Let me understand that because that's what I need to give my life for. That's what I need to do, isn't it? And so... Um, it's very challenging. And it's, it's very easy to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, and, and, and you're right, are you? You know, if you? If you go back through time and you look around the globe, if ever there was a time when you could choose to live, it would be now mm. with, with, with health, with social interaction, with social care. Um, uh, and yet at the same time, death, isn't, death is, is there looming, mm. if you like. Is that the wrong one? That's a bit ominous, but it's true. Death looms for everyone. Mm and yeah. all the, you know, all the skincare products in the world, all the, the, the Botox, and what did, what did we see this morning? There's a facility in America full of frozen, oh, people. Yeah, yeah. frozen people. I don't suppose they're dead, technically, but they're waiting. Is it, is it called cryogenically frozen? Yeah, yeah. So they're waiting for there to be a medical solution to whatever health problem they've got mm. so that they can then be cured of it. And I'm just fairly sure that humans will never beat death it will always come for you eventually regardless of of your of your wealth yeah. reg- and regardless of your status now there's a certain there's an ease in how you live isn't there the comfort that you have but again we, we i think particularly maybe in the west is we tend to go oh if only i had this life would be easier i'm not sure my understanding is around the rest of the globe where people are less um, wealthy you know if you're living in a in, in a war zone you know you're, I'm sure that people there are thinking, "I wish I had your problems." You know, I wish, yeah. yeah, I wish I only had to get up on a Monday and go to work in the rain. You know, yeah. you know, you've got a job, you've got a home to leave, and you've got a home to go back to. You know, it, it's it's how you how you look yeah, at you that, isn't it? Yeah, um,
0: yeah totally.
1: Yeah, I can't decide if this is really really inspiring or really miserable. Uh, well, I, yeah.
0: I, I, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> I think actually it could be both, and it all depends on yeah. how you interpret it, right? Yep. Um, and and actually your outlook on life and um death is a funny thing isn't it i i think it's one of those things like why do we die why i can explain it with the christian story right mm-hmm. i can i can understand that you know and i can understand that i think my belief was that when adam and eve were created there would there was there was no death at that point that you know had they not have um sinned they would still be around um but they did and so death came. And I can understand that in the context of Christian circles, but I can't understand it outside the context of Christian circles. Like, yeah. why do we die? Why do we... Why are we... Why is... If you take God out, why Why is death there? It makes no sense to me, you know, for something to sort of come, explode and disappear. It's like, why, why does it not perpetuate itself? Surely well, that's the, the most sensible thing to do.
1: The, there's an argument, isn't there, that the, the most rational explanation is probably the true one and uh we're opening up another can of worms because that's what we do but the the most rational explanation for everything and everyone being here is there's a god mm. and 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 i'm not and i'm not him and i'm calling him a him because it's easier i'm not them whatever you want to whichever pronoun you want to call god i don't think they mind yeah. but the easiest explanation is there's a god yeah. to me and then everything else is If God is this transcendent ephemeral, which are very long words, meaning you can't get your head around God because Mm -hmm. they're God. In the same way that you can't actually get your head around eternity, you know, or infinity is another word. You know, you can't get your head around that because you're only a human. I find it really reassuring to go, there's a God. It's not me. Mm. And this God is in charge. And this God, for reasons that I don't fully understand, has chosen to create this and I live in it, and I'm part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also believe, and I've never had a problem with this, that God is interested in me individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody might go, where's your evidence? And I go, well, my life. yeah, My life, and the stories, and the, and the feelings, and the times when I'm sure that God has spoken to me, and helped me, and other times when he hasn't. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to talk to him about that later, and I'm assuming there's an entry interview when you get to heaven. I go, right, <laughs> these, God, now I've got you. These are the things yeah. I really want an answer to. Um, we, we
0: were talking about this last yeah. night with Will, me and Will Sockworth. We were talking oh, yeah. about this. It's like the, every, We've all got this list of questions. God, yeah. well, while I've got you,
1: number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, number one. <laughs> number, number two. One. I, but, it, it, but, you know, you, you're right about it. I mean, I tend to see I prefer to see the positive spin on it because I quite like the idea. I no, I love the idea that it's not your wealth. And it's mm. not your status because unless you're what is it Jeff Bezos or who's the other one Elon Musk? yeah and if your purpose in life is to become wealthy, unless you're one of them, you've lost. Yeah. you are not the winner. Sorry, even if you're really rich, you're mm-hmm. not the winner because they've already won that at the moment. So once you decide to take yourself out of that competition and go it's not about it can't be about wealth and therefore status. It's much easier to go, brings me back to, um, are, how are you spending your life? Well, if you're spending it on things that will never rust, which is the Bible word, isn't it? Mm. You know, like anything, any, even the most precious metals, gold, silver, I'm guessing will deteriorate over mm. time. But something like helping other people, doing good good deeds, if you like, they never rust. They never they they never dissipate. They never go grow old. They never go mouldy. They're just good things, mm. um, and that's easy. Actually, that's easy for anyone can do that. You can do it. You can do it with your family tonight. After you've listened to Crowd Church or wherever you are, you can go. I'm going to go and do something nice for somebody else, and that's an eternal yeah, thing.
0: It is, and I think it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I'm we're going to talk about this over the coming weeks, and I'm aware of time, so I'm going to end with this point. That if you are a Christian and you are listening to this, my challenge to you in the current climate in which we face ourselves, certainly in the UK, where we have the cost of living crisis, we have the energy crisis, we've got the food crisis, we've got the interest rate crisis, we've got inflation, we've even got crazy politicians doing all kinds of crazy, weird, wonderful things, right? It is just a very uncertain time. But in that uncertainty, in that craziness, the last thing we need to do is go inward and insulate yeah. and batten down the hatches. It is totally the right time to open our doors, yeah. inviting our neighbors and go, come on in. Our house is warm. I've only got a slice of bread or whatever it is you've got on the table, but we're gonna share it with you, right? Yeah. And I think we've never had such a good opportunity to bring the gospel to our neighbors. And so i am if you are a Christian watching this, I'm encouraging you, please do not batten down the hatches. No. Open your doors yeah uh, the, the, and,
1: w- the word of the year apparently is perma crisis don't know if you saw that it's one of them <laughs> no. I don't know what perma is like you know what God's in charge perma yeah. crisis, whatever you know and people it's a really common mantra isn't it times are tough well they always have been they always they will always be they always will uh, be how do you respond to it
0: yeah, yeah. I can tell you now things are going to get worse <laughs> and some things no. will get better but it's Give just us a- yeah. it's just the way it's going to be right and so where's your faith fundamentally yeah. and that's what paul said he said i live this life in the faith of christ so my faith is built on him not on things not on stuff Stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so you know it is it is the way it is phil wonderful we are on the hour thank you so much for joining me just Go to man. say everybody uh next week do come join us on the live stream uh we are carrying on our conversation through john's gospel uh we have tony Udin speaking next week is also remembrance sunday Uh, Claire Glare will be hosting with me uh, if the schedule is right that I see on the screen in front of me. Uh, George will let me know if I'm wrong. Um, But yes, we have uh, Claire coming uh, to host. We've got Tony Odin speaking and it is Remembrance Sunday. So do come join us for that. It will be great to see you. Uh, Matt put in the comments. Join us next week, 6 p.m. GMT for our next live stream, complete with the odd tech issue as usual shocking at least we're predictable
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're there's a familiarity
0: to, to that isn't there <laughs> which is quite comforting i feel yeah. uh so yes do come join us next week so uh phil
1: anything else from you but in closing no no uh find out about god's plan for your life he's got one he loves you and he he wants to he wants to be in a relationship with you simple as that
0: very good. Very, I couldn't have put it better myself, mate. I couldn't put it. <laughs> Phil, thank you so much for joining me. All right, me. my friend. Always All right, everybody. fun hosting with you. Uh, God bless you, everyone.
3: We will see you next week. That's it from us. Bye for now. Bye.